Welcome to Being a Successful Leader with Carl Welty. Carl is a leadership pioneer with years of challenging leadership and consulting experience. Here's Carl with some valuable insights, practical and proven methods for being a successful leader. Hi there, Carl Welty, your uh, leader here, a podcast leader. We have a series going, uh, Being a Successful uh, Leader. Uh, 26 episodes, a week apart, each one lasting uh, 15 minutes to 30 minutes. We have three themes or three what I call um, imperatives for successful leadership. And the 26 episodes revolve around these three themes, if you will. The first of the three uh, imperatives is being a self-aware and skillful leader. The second of the three is formulating and executing a sound strategy. And the third imperative is building a culture of commitment. Being a self-aware and skillful leader, having a sound strategy, and having a culture of commitment. Uh, today's episode is uh, uh, inside the uh, building commitment uh, theme or imperative, and the title, uh, the topic is analyzing and resolving performance discrepancies. Now, as a leader manager, you inevitably have uh, discrepancies between what you'd like to have happen with individual or group performance and what is actually going on. And most times you're just uh, aware of what to do uh, based upon your experience and wisdom, that sort of thing. But once in a while, you're not quite sure of the nature and cause of this discrepancy and and just what to do about it. And that's where the uh, structure or process I'm going to give you today kicks in uh, to help you analyze uh, such situations and go about it, resolving it in a in a effective way. Uh, okay, so... Uh, you, as I mentioned, uh, you know, most times uh, in your personal life or business life, uh, know kind of what to do based upon your your wisdom. Wisdom I define as your uh, practical know-how based on experience. We can also call this intuitive intelligence. But at the start here, I'd like to make a, a mention of uh, supporting your intuitive intelligence with what I call deliberate analysis. That's stepping back and applying some thought processes, tools, what have you, methods. And the one I'm going to give you today is a very solid tool or method to help you uh, uh, decode just what's going on with the performance discrepancy and what to do about it. So think of deliberate analysis as supporting, not something different, but supporting your your uh, intuitive intelligence. All right. So uh, the benefits of deliberate analysis, be it's the tool I'm going to give you or any deliberate analysis, any tool method that you uh, employ to supplement your intuitive intelligence is that it complements and balances your intuitive intelligence. Another benefit is it's an orderly thought process, and especially when your own working on your own, but also with a group, uh, the orderly process uh, prevents you from butterflying around. You're with a group and you're trying to solve a problem or make a decision. One person is talking about the, an answer. Another one's saying, what's the problem? Another one's coming up with causes. So you, you want to get this group intelligence and move it um, progressively through a thought process. Uh, and others, it, it, it optimizes the group work because it, it channelizes all the various personalities, divergent knowledge, skills, experience, viewpoints that you have with the group. Now, I use the term performance analysis as a shorthand uh, label for analyzing and resolving uh, performance problems or performance discrepancies. Again, it's a practical and proven method. I've had it for years and years and uh, worked with many, many groups and individuals with it. 
and it's repeatable. You can use it on any performance discrepancy that uh, comes your way. Uh, but let's first uh, set a stage of, of giving you a a what I, a five-step decision-making framework. Very, very useful foundation here. And underneath that framework, we can uh, walk across it by using the performance analysis model. But also, you can use it to, under each of these five stages. You can use various tools and methods that you're aware of. So it works very, very well. But let me give you the uh, overview or the uh, uh, overarching, if you will, decision-making framework. Uh, five uh, stages, if you will. And if you if you have the book, Building Commitment, and again, I should mention to go to the website, wealthy.com, and you can pick up any past episode by scrolling down and clicking on the uh, icon for the uh, for this podcast take it re- right to that uh, episode that you click on but also the, my books are there and the building commitment book is the one that uh, parallels our discussion here uh, really recommend that you get that and if you have it you can turn to the section on on a- analyzing revolving uh, it's, it's a performance coaching section and it uh, has to do with the performance analysis model is in there so if you have that, turn to that. If you don't, just do me a favor. Take out a couple of pieces of paper. And the first piece of paper, kind of turn it sideways. And across the top, I want you to write down the uh, stages, if you will, of this decision-making model. Okay? All right. Uh, the first of the five stages is framing. That's where you get started and you actually uh, describe just what what problem or decision you're trying to tackle here. It's like framing a picture. The, the, the viewpoint uh, that you're going to solve it from. And you can think of uh, uh, a, an issue as a as a problem or an opportunity. And the way you think about it will influence uh, quite a bit how you go about resolving it or making a decision. So framing. And then the second of the five stages is gathering intelligence. Now, at this stage on your piece of paper, or if you have the book, it's already in there, but uh, think of divergent thinking. Uh, maybe take a couple of arrows, one going uh, diagonally up and one going down, and inside that is gathering intelligence. So this is the opening, uh, divergent thinking. Uh, you're taking it in, assessing, weighing, that sort of thing. So that's the uh, that's the gathering intelligence. And then the third of the five steps is coming to conclusions, framing, gathering intelligence, coming to conclusions. Now you begin to narrow. Now you have convergent thinking. So you have enough data now, you're massaging it, you're getting some thoughts about how to proceed or how to decide, and you're narrowing down, and then you eventually close and make your decision. Okay, so framing, gathering intelligence, coming to conclusions, ending with a a decision, and then you have the implementing part. How are we going to go about... implementing this decision or solving this uh, problem. And then underlying all of that, you can draw a line and uh, that's learning from experience. Sometimes it's good to call a timeout individually or with your team and say, okay, what have you learned from this experience going forward? Now, underneath this uh, model that we've just looked at or you've drawn, uh, you can insert various tools. Next time in growing teams, we'll make mention of some team tools or tools you can use in general. And they're, they're neat. As a leader manager, I think you want to have a collection in your, your toolbox there of different tools that you can use appropriately, not just a hammer for everything. Everything's a nail, you know, they will sing. But uh, use various tools to insert as appropriate as you make decisions and solve problems. 
And this model I just gave you is great for that. And then you can insert the various tools that make sense as you uh, proceed. <clears throat> now, in terms of uh, 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 problems, you've got two general kind of problems. You've got people problems and you've got thing problems. What we're dealing with today is the people problem, giving you the model to go about in a logical fashion to resolve such problems when the answer is not obvious. But you also have thing problems, and they, a lot of what I'm going to give you today fits for thing problems as well as people problems. It's just with people problems, we've done it often enough that there's a different, there's a pattern to proceed, which I'm going to give you as we go from uh, specifying the problem to looking at different, what I call zones of cause in people problems. We'll talk about that in just a bit. Um, but in thing problems, you can also use the uh, model that we just uh, constructed for you in, in in looking at that and then using the various tools that might uh, might fit. Okay, um, one of the things in, in, in using this for thing problems is that at the beginning of the using the five stages, right after you frame the problem for uh, uh, decision-making, I, I, I recommend heartily that you uh, define success. You saw an example of that when we talked about uh, coming up with a uh, uh, smart way to prepare for and conduct a a selection interview where I gave you the what I call the position success factors. Those were like designing success for the position. Uh, another uh, technique that we talked about is goal analysis. So we talked about several times on our journey here, and that's all about clearing up fuzzies to get down to specific uh, behavioral kinds of terms that you can define success. Okay. Now, the, the performance analysis process, as we trace these five uh, stages uh, or performance analysis method across these five stages, uh, framing is a critical uh, uh, step. It sets the stage. It determines your point of view. Uh, now, the guidelines I have in framing for performance analysis is is start off with a kind of a behavioral lead-in, uh, how to how to do something, how to have uh, this happen, how to have this performance from this individual or this group. For example, how to have Larry develop a more complete engineering estimate might be an example of how to get started uh, in working on a behavioral kind of thing with Larry. Um, if you have several issues with Larry or anybody else or a team, divide him for the time being, at least for analysis, into various different kinds of problems or issues. Otherwise, you're ending up with a journalized mess, and it's hard to make a dent in that. Um, avoid generalizations or fuzzies. I talked about that already. Uh, reduce it to behavioral terms. Uh, for example, uh, how to how to solve a poor planning with the group or inadequate communication skills for Sam. Well, those are those are fuzzies. You want to maybe use the goal analysis technique we described in many episodes and get down to uh, behavioral terms. Uh, you can fill in the blank. How do you know blank when you see it? How do you know inadequate communications skills when you see it? How do you know poor planning when you see it? Then you're going to get down the, the ladder of inference, as we talked about before, from generalizations to uh, observable kinds of behaviors. And then now you're on a, a good track to start solving it. Uh, do not include possible cause in your in your framing, your your statement of your performance discrepancy. For example, how to motivate Bob to do X? 
Well, you're assuming that motivation is an issue here. It may be. I don't know. But uh, don't don't jump the gun and let the logic that we're going to give you this proceduralized logic do the work for you. So those are some guidelines as you frame. Now we move to gathering intelligence. <clears throat> um, what you want to do is you summarize the performance discrepancy in a sentence. And now you want to uh, break it down and, and gather gather some intelligence uh, uh, along the way. Uh, and the uh, model I'm going to give you is called is-is-not analysis for gathering intelligence. Again, you can use this for decision-making and thing problems as well as problem-solving and, and, and uh, thing or, or, or people problems. So again, on your second sheet of paper, uh, build a little structure for me. Again, if you have the book, it's right in there. And so what you want to do is to have uh, three columns, if you will. And the first column, you know, I want you to write down, these are the problem characteristics. What is the problem? There's three parts to this. What is the problem? What is not the problem? And the third one is contrast. So we're going to reflect all three on your sheet there. So write down these five probe kinds of questions down the left-hand column, if you will. What, who, where, when, extent. What, who, where, when, extent. The what is a further distillation, if you will, of the discrepancy you've already described. Like with Larry, the problem was uh, how to have him be more comprehensive in his engineering estimates. And uh, the uh, when you when you work through this, I like you have you do the is and the is not together as you work across your sheet. So the is not is the bracketing; it gives you the the boundary around uh, the problem. And what you want to do is you want to compare apples and apples and not apples and papayas so that when you contrast your data in your is column and your is not column, the clues to cause will pop up. And if you, so you want to make a tight, a tight specification here. So with Larry, you want to stick to estimates. Now, maybe he's got other issues and whatever. You're working on, on his estimates now. And the issue is, is the comprehensiveness. So you want to ask yourself about what? What is it about this? Uh, is it all kinds of estimates? Uh, or is it just the uh, maybe the story, not the calculations? So you can see how it breaks down. It's the story and not the calculations, or it's both. Uh, when does this occur? Well, maybe with Larry, it's the more complex estimates that he's uh, responsible for and not the easier ones. Maybe it's the newer ones, so forth. Um to what is extent is this a problem? The extent is the the magnitude or or the uh, times it happens, and maybe hundred percent of the time when it's a new or challenging estimate, uh, there's some issues there. Um, so anyway, uh, you you can see the what, the who, the where, the when, and extent, and what is the problem? Who is the problem? And may the problems with Larry? Do you have the same problem with other engineering estimators for you? Or maybe they have other issues, but how about this one? You can see how this is going to work for you as you begin to uh, look at the problem characteristics and then bracket the problem. So as you look at the is and is not data and you begin to contrast that, clues to cause pop up. Very, very effective uh, method for gathering and analyzing data about your performance discrepancy. Okay, so that's that's a that's a key part here. And at first, it seems a little bit cumbersome. Uh, you just do it a few times, and it's just going to be automatic for you, just like this whole process will be. At first, it's like, oh, my God, you know, 
cracking a walnut with a sledgehammer. No, no, no. Maybe initially till you get it, it feels that way. But once you get it, you can go through it pretty, pretty rapidly. The answers may not be there and you may not have to go dig a little bit and so forth, but the process you'll have down. Okay. That's gathering intelligence. Is this not analysis? What is the problem? What is not the problem that could be the problem? Uh, make it a tight sp- specification. And then after you do that, the is, is not data contrast the two, and that'll hopefully bring up uh, clues for cause for you. Okay. So once you and our model have uh, g- done a good job of gathering and analyzing data, then we move to coming to conclusions. Now, as I said before, in people problems, uh, because we've handled this enough, there's some patterns that show up. So after you do your problem specifications, I have two zones of cause. We can't do that all the time for thing problems because it's too divergent. But for people problems, believe me, there are two general zones of cause you can revisit uh, as discrepancies occur regarding performance. The first is the competency zone. And the second zone of cause and coming to conclusions on people problems is environmental motivational zone. Let's talk about each. The competency zone is all about uh, could he or she uh, perform as desired? Could he or she perform or they, if it's a group, perform as desired? And if the answer is no, then you have an ability or skill deficiency. Okay, so you need to attend to that. And by the way, uh, sometimes you'll have multidimensional uh, causation. In other words, it's both a, a lack of competence, but also there's some environmental motivational things going on. Uh, but anyway, back to competency zone. So if it is a skill deficiency, the next question you want to ask yourself, does the, does the person or the group or whatever have the ability to perform as desired? Skill and ability, two different things. You recall, if you've been on this journey for a while, uh, one episode, I, I use this metaphor of a, of a, of a container and the container is the size of the ability and people have different abilities, even latent abilities. And the skill is the liquid level, if you will, inside the container at any one time, you can increase your skills, hone your skills, skills ebb over time and so forth. So the question then is the ability efficiency is the person's container big enough to allow them to absorb the skill, learn and apply the skill to perform as, 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 as required. And if it's not, in other words, it's an ability efficiency, then your options are to provide training aids. Sometimes there's little check sheets and things like that might be appropriate. Another is to re-engineer the job as an option for ability efficiency. Um, you, you got to be careful here, especially if you're thinking about shifting responsibilities from the person who has discrepancy to somebody else. That could be performance punishing for somebody else. They're doing a good job and you give it to this person. And sometimes it could be even rewarding for the person who no longer has that duty. So be careful in re-engineering jobs about shifting work around. So provide job aids, re-engineer job. Another is transfer to mode or terminate. Transfer the person to another position that they can handle. Demote to a lower level because it's truly an ability deficiency. You don't demote for disciplinary reasons. It's an ability deficiency. So you put them in a slot that they can hopefully perform well. Or you terminate, transfer, demote, or terminate. Those are big time decisions. And so really important that you do your analysis. Another option, the fourth of the four is optimize the current situation. Okay. I'm going to live with it. Uh, just suck it in and uh, we'll just get by it somehow and. Maybe it's not all that critical, and maybe I can pick up some of the slack. 
So those are your four options for ability deficiency. If it's not an ability deficiency, but just a skill deficiency, then your option is to arrange training, practice, coaching, or all of the above. And if you're not sure right now if it's an ability deficiency or not, treat it as a skill deficiency. And as you work with the individual, it'll become apparent whether they have the big enough container or not, okay? And then you take the appropriate action. All right. Now, the other zone, composite being one and environmental motivation will be the other, uh, there's uh, four different kinds of questions I have for you here. The first is, is the performer or performers aware of the discrepancy as you described it? Uh, are they aware? Can they describe it like you have? Uh, and if not, then you have to provide constructive feedback uh, using, of course, the effective, as we talked about in the episode, uh, using the uh, structure of magic, the effective uh, talk patterns of speaking and listening, really having a heart to heart. So are the, is the performing word discrepancy? The second of the four is obstacles. Are there any obstacles in the way, either external obstacles or personal obstacles with the individual? External obstacles would be such things as systems. Many times the issues are not the person. You run into it all the time as you go around and shopping and that sort of thing. It's not so much the person as the system is getting in the way, the processes, the protocols, that sort of thing. Person's doing the best they can, but the, uh, the deck is uh, stacked against them. So you have to look at the external things, that the the uh, systems, also the physical surroundings, the uh, actual uh, physical uh, layout and lighting and all those other things. But you can also have internal obstacles. Uh, there could be some competing commitments the individual has that's prohibiting from them performing as desired. Competing commitments. They may feel that if they really do the job as as uh, they think they can, then uh, you know, they're going to be looked upon with askance by fellow workers or something like that. All kinds of weird things like that happen. So you have to give that some attention too, and maybe have some conversation with the individual about that. So you have external obstacles and internal obstacles to investigate. The third of the four in terms of environmental motivational zone is, does performance matter? Does performance matter to the individual individuals? Uh, how about the work itself? You may have to make some adjustments there, do some job engineering and providing uh, uh, greater content or if they're not motivated or more discretion to get their generator going. You know, we talked about that way back in the episode. We talked about uh, motivation, uh, the uh, content and discretion, a way of, of providing more uh, enriching uh, jobs, if you will. So the work itself, there's others, then there's the work, the environment outside the work itself, the environmental consequences. You may have to arrange appropriate consequences for performing as desired. Catch them doing things right and let them know about it and know in certain terms. Uh, and also look out for non-performance rewarding. Sometimes not performing as desired to get more jollies than performing as desired. So a lot going on here, but these are things to investigate. Okay, um, so performance, uh, are they aware of the discrepancy? Obstacles, external, internal, are they, uh, does performance matter? And the final one is uh, possible medical behavioral or personal problems. These are things that you don't often talk about and probably shouldn't in the work environment, but there may be some personal, what I call behavioral, medical, or personal problems. So you want to, or if you have an employee assistance program, for example, you want to arrange for appropriate professional assistance or have the individual help themselves by taking advantage of that program. Um, now, one, this is really important. Now, 
when you run across these sorts of things, either because the first person says, hey, I've got this kind of issue and leave me alone or whatever, or you just you detect that there's some sort of thing there and you maybe investigate a little bit. The caveat here is you're the performance management expert. Stick to that. Do not become an amateur diagnostician. You're not qualified for that. Even if you were, you don't want to do that because you're the the leader manager here and that's your role. As soon as you dive in to say, well, gee, I had a cousin who had a similar thing and what he did was this and I had a situation once and what I did was that, forget it. Stick to the performance discrepancy, okay? Very, very important. Replay this again if you need to. All right. Now, uh, you're going to decide. You've done your, your framing. You uh, took a look at the gathering intelligence. You used the is-is-not analysis in doing that. That gave you uh, uh, the contrast, gave you possible clues to cause as you as you walk through the the uh, two zones of cause, the competency and environmental motivational. So you may have a, a, a the root cause identified, or you may have some likely causes identified by by the work you've done. So what you want to do is to uh, zone in on those most likely cause, look at the alternative solutions, the cause or causes, alternative solutions, and then pick the best solution or solutions uh, that best fits your problem specification. The work you did in the is-is-not analysis. Which solution or solutions best fits that? Okay. And then the final uh, stage we're going to talk about here is the implementation. And that's where you form your action plan. And we have, of course, two uh, two episodes on action planning uh, in, the, in the past that you can consult. You don't need a full-blown action plan that some of those lay out, but just what is the logical sequence of events here? And then you want to, you know, the last stage is benefit from the experience either right now or as time goes by, what have I or, or we learn from solving this problem or making this decision. Okay, a lot for you here. You want to maybe replay it, get the book if you don't already have it, and this will serve you very, very well, believe me. All right, next time is Growing Teams, where we put all this together and um, talk about the difference between groups and teams and uh, how to go about, if it, if it makes organizational sense, how to convert a group into a team. Until then, you take care and we'll see you.